The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. But what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Well, uh, welcome back to the different knock and Arsenal podcast with Alexander, Money Penny, and my very good friend Bramley. Da 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 da. Brad and I were saying off air, um, it felt like that thing went through the life cycle of a meme in the 21st century, whereby it started off pretty funny, I would say. I was enjoying it. Then it started to get annoying, I would argue. (laughs) Quite quickly. (laughs) 15 minutes in, I was starting to think, yeah, this joke is starting to wear off. Half time happened. (laughs) It returned. Ironically funny. Loved it. Yeah, but it was, it was, it's the sort of the life cycle of the meme that it just, it becomes. It becomes self-referential and a pastiche of itself within half an hour, which is uh, the world we live in. Hi, Brad. Hello, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm superb. I was meant to be. We were meant to record earlier on. Um, I've had an injury, listeners. I've done my oh. knee. Um, uh, Gary O'Driscoll says it's not looking good. Brev, um, his his exact his exact words. Um, and uh, yeah, it could be a couple of weeks out, but um, we live and we live and learn. Um, so How did you we do it? I don't actually know. I think I um I think it was last week. Uh, to be fair, I I just I never like roll out or I never have a cold shower or anything after the game. I just I just carry so I just run for two hours, then don't run for the rest of the week, then run again for two hours. <laughs> so which as a as a strategy it doesn't feel like it's uh, uh, best suited to, to avoiding injury. But there you go. Um, but we're meant to record a little bit, so apologies, Brad, because I I kept in waiting, listeners. Can you believe that? You are a fool. You're a waste of time. You got the job, but a technicality. Did you see Ryan Giggs's poem? Oh. My favourite part is when he first decided that L is for legs was a good enough line. And then came to another L and was so stumped by the variety of the English language that he decided that L for legs was another good line. It's an incredible piece of work. I mean, really and truly. Dramatic reading right now, please. My darling Kate, unequivocally, our love was fate. He doesn't know what unequivocally means. You You can just tell. He's used it too early. I fell in love with you at first sight. I remember, cause I was high as a kite. Those beautiful eyes made me shiver. I'm not gonna lie, I think of you, I dream of you. Can't help thinking pulling you was my greatest ever coup. Spelt C-O-O. That stomach, those abs, those pictures you send so I can keep tabs. You make me feel funny down there especially when you're there and you look up and stare. 
I'm beginning to think you are always right. That's okay. It will keep us tight. I'm going to end by saying you are my love, my friend, my soul. And most of all, you believe in me, which makes me hard as a totem pole. It's not even like as bad as a 16-year-old writing something because it's like it's like someone's improved a 16-year-old. So like yeah, it's it's you can tell he spent a lot of time on Google. Googling. He's written <laughs> Rhyme zone. he's written the wrong coup. He's gone for coup d'etat and written coup as in like a loving Oh god, that's embarrassing. There's embarrassing and then there's that like <laughs> There's that, like, if if anyone ever presented me that, that's it. Like, relationship is over. So Never saying, seeing them again. If I wrote you a, a love letter like that, Brad, you would, you'd cut all ties. That's it. All, either that's it. Different podcast would be done. It would have to be of much better quality. I'm a, I, I'm a high value man. Andrew Tate is here. Let's oh. move on. Um, yeah, look, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Arsenal. Help the topical humour. Arsenal three, Bournemouth nil at Dean Court Vitality Stadium, and I will have no Bournemouth slander on this podcast, please. I'm going to Bournemouth today because it's my hometown. I'm spending a week at home. Um, Scott Parker is a lovely, handsome man. He the stadium look- is fucking shit. It twelve thousand I- people for the Premier League. You should be relegated on default alone. I love. Did you see the bit where? Um, did you see the bit as if it's a TV TV program? Do you remember when the Arsenal fans were chanting, "Your ground's too big for you"? I genuinely, I think we have some of the funniest fans in the league. We might like. I, I think probably we're up there in terms of passion because I think just basically the team's been so shit for so long. People think we're we're a, we're a library, but actually, if you mm. we now we're starting to reconnect. We're starting to 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 be as loud as everyone else. And I actually think we're pretty funny. Like I remember a lot of times Arsenal fans have made me laugh just from hearing shit they've said. Like, oh yeah, we we were singing, we were singing, you're going down with United, down yeah. with United. Like it's, it's it's humorous stuff. It's good banter. It's good banter. Football fans in general, just it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Americans would be like, "Hey, Bournemouth, you're you're not good at the soccer." I believe, I believe, I believe that Bournemouth will go down. Okay, I'm just going to stop stop taking the piss out of our American listeners. Barbecue, barbecue, <laughs> barbecue, barbecue, na na. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I will hear no Bournemouth slander other than to say that their the stadium, stadium is shit. Is it's, trash. It's, to be fair though, you made this point to me, I think, once. There hasn't ever been a story like Bournemouth, like with the way that they rose through the ranks. So it's not like they've even had the time to build a new stadium. How many years ago were they in like League Two, like 10, 12? In 2008, they nearly got relegated to non-league. Jesus. Like Eddie, we you don't understand the job Eddie Howe did. If you haven't sort of seen this game, and, and also like obviously the Leicester thing was kind of more high profile, et cetera, et cetera. Go and look at the story of Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. It is absolute. I don't think it's ever been repeated. I don't think it's ever happened before. I don't think it will ever happen again in terms of a rise through the leagues and in terms of how that club managed to actually stay where they are as well. He managed to stay in the Premier League for five years and as, as Brad's favourite trivia, they shouldn't have even gone down. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's an incredible, incredible achievement. And, you know, yes, it is a, a, um, uh, a shed, but uh, it's, it's our shed. Thanks, Brad. Uh, right. We should get onto the game. The word of the game, please, Bramley, uh, for Arsenal 3, Bournemouth now. My word of the game is excitement. Um, I felt like a giddy... I remember being like 12, 13 like years Ryan old. Giggs writing that poem. I felt like, yeah, I felt like Ryan Giggs writing my GCSE English exam poem. Um, I remember feeling like for a long time, my feeling for a lot of the players at the club um, has been very detached because I feel like, like you say, it's been a while since we've been anything uh, decent, you know? And I remember being like, do you know what? 
it actually reminded me. I I never got to watch the. Um, I think it was the first FA Cup final we'd been in in a long time. The Hull one. Is that the first one of the of the? Yeah, I didn't get to watch that live. Um, I can't remember why. I think I was seeing a show that my mum had booked for the same day, and I've never been so annoyed in my life. Um, and I remember getting out of the show and like the giddy excitement to find out what happened. And like, that's just what I felt watching this team just play Bournemouth off the park for, for 90 minutes. Like we were unbelievable. And like you say, it's, it's a reconnection and it's a rediscovering of like those football is beautiful because it makes you feel something. And especially when those things are, are amazing, like what we're all lucky to be feeling at the moment as Arsenal fans, like just excitement, like th- there is no end to my excitement for this club right now, where we're going, what we're doing, who we might be signing, who we're going to play next. I'm not looking at the fact that we're going to play, I don't know who the first big, like I'm not looking for for going, oh, you know, we we will be lucky to scratch. No, I'm like, no, I'm feeling good. We're going to go and we're going to smash the next game. I, I, I can't, I can't, I don't even think I can articulate it as well as I can feel it. But that like bubbling sensation yeah. is just rife within yeah. me. And I think the fan base at the moment. Um, yeah, absolutely, mate. And in, we have language, right? To try and describe things. But actually, they're pretty blunt instruments in the end. They're words. And, you know, there's words in other languages that mean other things and explain feelings that English doesn't have. You know, we are limited in our explanations and how we can actually process information and put it across to other people. What we can say is we know how we feel. And it's like, okay, I know how I I feel watching this team. Goals go in now and I laugh. I laugh. I laugh when Erdegaard scores because it's it's like it's this giddiness, it's this joy, it's this like pure um it's exactly what football should be, which is my word of the game and it's simple. I'm not blind to the fact that there are elements of football that fans and we and pundits etc don't understand. There's tactical elements of the game that we would would be way beyond our understanding in terms of, you know, I'm sure we could we could all go on courses and try and understand it in terms of coaching in terms of actually getting down to the nitty-gritty of how how teams are set up, exactly how they want their left eight to operate in that pocket of space with which uh, watch pressing trigger at what point you x y and z whatever, right? We kn- we know there's there's levels of of complication. But there's a reason that the Amazon documentary doesn't go into that. It's because actually that's not what people, fans, interface with football with. They interface with the narratives. They interface with with, um, with what kind of drives football discussion, which is, you know, pretty much just feelings. It's basically what it is. It's basically just, you know, a feeling of, of you know, oh, I feel like Arsenal are going to do this. I've, I've uh, This player really annoys me, X, Y, and Z. And that drives the discussion. That's the main sort of... The, the gist behind it. That's why people are listening to this podcast. That's why we're we're talking. There's a feeling attached to it. We're we're invested in this thing, whatever that is to you. But actually, think about it this week. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. It's from the top down. Manchester City and Liverpool, their first question when Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola came in was how do we want to play? And then everything else comes off that. Everything else, everything comes down. Pep Guardiola says, I want to play, you know, I'm sure he puts it in much more complicated terms than me, but positional play, we want to dominate the ball. We want to, um, uh, for, you know, in those early years, he, he did a lot more sort of cutbacks. And now, you know, they've got a sort of different thing with Holland running in behind. They play with the false nine, whatever. But basically the principles remain the same. And then from there, Everything follows. The transfer policy follows. The, what they what they do in the youth academy follows. The training regimes follow. The uh, physiotherapy saying, okay, well, we need more high sprints in our f- forward players. So how do we, you know, prepare them for that? Whatever. Everything follows from there, and it feels like this alignment that is happening at Arsenal is actually really, really, really simple, but is so effective. We've signed players who work for how we want to play. And it's that simple. We've got a number now, I would say eight or nine, seven or eight maybe, top, top, top technicians who can hold on to the ball, who retain the ball well. Watch Zinchenko's performance yesterday. 
It's not rocket science. This guy can just hold onto a ball better. When he receives it on his back foot, it doesn't bounce off him. That's it. And then that means he can stand in the right position. That means he can invert. That means he can play those through balls. But it all starts from him being able to receive the ball on his uh, on his non-standing foot, whichever foot that is, and get a pass off. That's it. And then and then you come to decision making and tactics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if the basis isn't there of an ability to retain the ball through good technical quality and move it forward, then it doesn't matter. And this is why it's so simple. We've got better football players and we're playing better football and it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. It really does not. Hmm. No, Zinchenko, yeah. Zinchenko is an incredible technician. Look at that video of him in training the other day where he's knocking the ball. Do you know how good you need to be? If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a, there's a, if you go on AFC Newsroom, um, I tweeted, uh, tweeted it out. It's Zinchenko um, dribbling a ball in training or just go and watch the inside training video from this week. Do you know how good you need to be at football to be that much better at a training exercise than other players, than other professional football players? You To be that much better than professional football players at Arsenal Football Club at a training exercise, you have got to be one of the best in the world in terms of receiving and and holding onto a ball and dribbling and controlling a ball, which I think Zinchenko is. I mean, he's not one of the best in the world in terms of players, in terms of, you know, top 50, in terms of, you know, you'd put him in a, you know, in the Ronaldo Messi category. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying in terms of holding on to controlling a football, he's up there, mate. And then Jesus and the way he plays. And again, it's so, so simple. He wins his duel. It's filthy. He wins his duel. He beats his man because he's better on the ball and he gets us into the right position and a ball drops for Odegaard and we score and it's 1-0 and everyone's going, what a genius. You know, we're not doing that. Wasn't some Southampton esque, you know, brilliant pattern play. That was just the fact that Jesus was better than someone else. William Saliba is six foot four, built like a brick shit house, can run faster than you, can bully you off the ball. And he's better it. looking than you. He's better looking, definitely better looking than you and me. Do you know what I mean? So it's simple. It really is simple. And and I don't want to overcomplicate it. And, you know, I, I, you know, it's that thing, isn't it, of football fans? You know, we want, we want to appear to be in the know. We want to appear to be, oh, I know exactly how we, you know, you know, how we set up and this, this, you know, the right pod and, you know, we, uh, the false nine dropping in and the round doubter and the trequatista. We throw out all these phrases. And yeah, okay, there's, there's a tactical, tactical level of the game, which we should all try and understand. And I'm constantly trying to develop my understanding of. But if you're better at football than someone else, that's it. It's not that complicated. Yes, and I think I think some of that does come down to the structure in the sense of obviously if you are better at football than someone else, it's gonna it's gonna pay dividends. But across the park, we were wholly better than Bournemouth in every single avenue, in every single moment, in every single space. And the simplicity of the structure because sometimes the simplest things are the hardest to master. Like It's try to pull a parable from somewhere else. Cooking sometimes you can the, some some of the simplest dishes are the hardest to do, to do like to an excellent standard. And I don't I think that what we're doing in terms of kind of juego de posición and um, all of this stuff it's 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 really simple. It's just about moving and about being in certain spaces, and that's not be responsive. Yeah, and that's not kind of the most crazy intellectual. It's or like what what the reason it's difficult is it has to become second nature and that takes time. But now we've had that time, it's so easy. It's just yep. people moving about a pitch and dragging people one way or the other, and it's become second nature now. Which is why all we have to do is get better players on the pitch who understand it, yep. and we and are, you, you know. And I was just going to say, and you can and you can see those patterns if you want to look for them. You know, whenever whenever Saka receives the ball now, there's movement around him. He receives the ball, and either yep. White overlaps, someone underlaps, uh, the person who's played the ball uh, moves in terms of closer to Saka to try and receive the ball pass, whatever. And it all depends on the spaces around them. But as you say, that's mm -hmm. simple. That's basic, basic, basic. But it takes a long time to actually get into the the um, to get into your bodies and to Mines. get into your 
um, unconscious competence. I'll call it that because I'm a wanker. Um, <laughs> that's a first year throwback for you. For you. Um, yeah, the yeah, it, 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 and it's incredible. And, and as you say, we're better all over the park in terms of we're winning the duels. We're getting the ball back better. We're executing our actions quicker. We we feel like we want it more. Mm. And, you know, you see Arteta in this documentary just win the first ball, win the first duel from the start, concentrate from the start, play forward, defend forward. All of these things are starting to get into the, fa- not only the fabric of the team, but the fabric of the club. You know, there's no, it, there's no coincidence that this team is playing like this and the fans mm. are responding like that. You know, uh, we can joke about the Saliba thing. But ultimately, it's indicative of a wider thing, isn't it? It's indicative of a of a feeling around a club, of a feeling around a player, a feeling around something. There was granite Xhaka chance yesterday. There was a Jacques, there was when a has Zinchenko there ever chance. been? There was granite Xhaka chance. Apparently, the players were um, were were singing the Saliba chant in the in the changing room afterwards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it just it, 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 this it's is the con- thing, isn't it? You look at every project around the country right now. City's obviously City and they are a monolith in the sense of they can spend so much money. They're no longer a project. They're just kind of a steam train who will keep adding the new wheels and pieces to keep ticking along and rolling along. But you look at Liverpool and there's some real danger of regression. You look at Chelsea and there's also some real danger of regression. And you look at the way Spurs played yesterday. They were played off the park by a by a Wolves team who, if they'd had a centre-forward, would have probably scored two or three in the first half. Arsenal right now, I do think, as and I've tried to think about this kind of a, in an unbiased, as much as I can, even though I'm a fan, as an unbiased way as possible, like is probably one of the most exciting projects to get to be a part of now. If you're going to Spurs, you're going for Champions League football and maybe to win an FA Cup in the final few years of this Kane era because Conte is not going to be there for much longer. If you're going to Chelsea, you're looking at the amount of money that they can give you and, you know, living in London. But there's there's already looking like serious problems with, with the whole project uh, and, and the Thomas Tuchel era. Liverpool, you know, they're, they've not started this season well so far, but I have every faith that they will get back to it. But they don't have the money to keep up with City. And if certain moves don't go well for them and certain players don't develop at certain rates, then they're in big trouble in both their midfield and back line. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, I looked at a, a, a tweet of, let me see if I can just quickly find it. Because it, this is exactly what I'm trying to say. And it's, here it is, here it is. If you're looking at Arsenal and you're looking at, a, at, a, at an up-and-coming project to join, Ramsdale's 24, White's 24, Saliba's 21, Gabriel's 24, Zinchenko's 25, Saka's 20, Erdegaard's 23, Martinelli's 21, Jesus is 25, Tomiyasu 23, Tierney 25, Lokonga 22, Smith Rowe 22, and Ketia 23. That was 15 players in yesterday's squad. All under 20, all 25 and under who could be here for the next eight years. And you're looking at a manager, unbelievably young, still learning, still growing. And all of these players have the opportunity to continue to build and to continue to mould and get better. It was one of the most laughable things at the end of last season, at the start of this season, from pundits, from rival fans, that the idea that Arsenal had somehow reached their peak after playing the youngest squad in the Premier League for the whole of the season, as if none of those players were going to improve any more than they were playing at. You look at that squad right now, you look at where it's going, you look at the trajectory and it's up. You look at other situations and it's on a nice edge. And okay, we don't have Champions League football this season, but we've still been able to bring in Gabriel Jesus from Man City, who would walk into Tottenham's first 11, who would walk into Chelsea's first 11, who would walk into Liverpool's first 11, who would walk into United's first 11. Zinchenko would probably start for Tottenham, maybe Chelsea. You know, there's the Cucurella thing, but I think they've massively overspent there. Definitely United. 
you know, it's there's so much to look forward to that mm. I can't like that's where the excitement comes from. It doesn't feel like we're coming to the end of something. It feels like th if this is only the beginning and this is how good the beginning is, where are we going from here? Like what? It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, we're still the the youngest average age in the league. Average age 23.9 uh, from this season. Uh, next uh, highest, I think, is 24.6. Uh, I could be wrong. Sorry, 24.4 Southampton. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's the exciting bit, you know, Arteta in his uh, post-match said, Jesus can still get better. You know, he said, you know, is, have you, I think Dave Jones asked him, have you seen another level from him? And he said, well, the thing is he's 25, so he can, he can get better and he, and that's our expectation. That's what we want him to do. You know, having someone who sets these basic, basic, and when I say basic, I don't mean baseline. I mean, basic, they're simple. They're, they're standard. They are, they are like, unbelievably clear in terms of expectations of we want you to improve we want you to work the hardest you possibly can and you know you look at that team and I'm looking around and I'm seeing so few players who I think from an outside perspective anyway have these sort of massive egos so few players who I think are sort of there for a, a paycheck you know every single player I look at that you know I'm, I'm looking around the team I'm going Ramsdale Seems invested. Gabriel invested. T Tierney's Inchenko, uh, Xhaka certainly. Uh, Erdegaard definitely invested. Saka definitely invested. Martinelli has got football posters on his walls, mate. Jesus invested. And you know, as you say, this is the exciting part: is that is that it's where it could go. And you know, we're. I think I uh, said on a recent podcast. 13 of our 15 most valuable assets, according to the transfer market, are under 25. You know, this 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 project is has so much room. Um, yeah, it's it's unbelievably exciting. And I think if you're any young player in Europe at the moment and you're looking around at a project, you think, where's that security that I'm going to play? Where's that long-term example of an upwards trajectory? Where is that sort of environment where it feels like there's something building, something happening? Arsenal's got to be first or second on that list because you know, and, and that's that's great because you know, as a young team, young coach, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, we to take us to that Liverpool City level, I still think we need maybe one, one or two more. Maybe not. I'm not saying the Van Dijk, Allison signings because I think I think players like Jesus are that for us, but I still think we're short by maybe one or two. But if you are those players and you're looking around Europe and going, where can I be the cherry on top of a thing that's that's about to go, about to go pop? Um, oh, you know, I think Arsenal are 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 that team. So um, let's look at the game slightly more uh, deeply. Then I couldn't believe this. We only had one point four expected goals according to Scott Willis's. Um, uh, data uh, 14 shots 6 on target um, considering where I thought we would be in terms of uh, our press uh, this season our PPDA has come down to 8.8 .8. Bournemouth was 15.4 and considering how I think what's the possession stats they had uh, possession where are we they had 40% of the ball we had 60% of the ball I would have presumed that they would have pressed more than us, but we, you know, even on a on our um, sort of uh, with more more of the ball, we we still press more. So there's a there's a clear sort of desire there. It's the way we dominate the ball, the way we dominate the zones, and the 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 way the players move, as we were kind of alluding to earlier. As I say, that right pod um, has come under some criticism, but if you actually look at the goal probability added. Saka and Ben White are top of that list. So I th I think, and Jesus sort of goes out there as well. So I think at the moment there's a, there's a slight narrative around our right-hand side and whether it's sort of stuttering or something just because the sort of the output isn't there. But I actually think if you watch the game, there's a, um, 
there's a, a value to that right-hand side. There's a progression up the right-hand side. There's a danger on the right-hand side. Ben White won the overlap yesterday. I think one of the goals, uh, the one that goes into Jesus and Odegaard sort of nicks off his toe, comes off the right-hand side. Uh, white overlapping. Um, so I think the right, the right is, I appreciate in terms of output, isn't isn't quite there, but um, is uh, is definitely contributing. I wanted to come to a couple of individual performances. Um, Granite Xhaka, uh, again, excellent, excellent. And I noticed that in some phases of the build-up... Arsene Wenger's done it. Wait, Arsene Wenger has done it again. When he first signed, he said that Xhaka was a box-to-box. What's he doing now? He's done it again. <laughs> well, it shows you because, you know, Xhaka is someone who we've looked at in teams and gone, he's the one who's suspect, technically. He's the one who, if you press him, you can get the ball off him. He's the one who'll give the ball away. He's the one who plays the backwards passes. He's the one who, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he has some qualities and, you know, whatever, whatever, but but he's the suspect one. In this team, he doesn't look like that at all for a number of reasons. He's always got a progression option. So he can always, he can always play it forward in terms of there's someone to play it to. This is, this is the thing. He's like a, he's like a Ryan Giggs totem pole. And if you don't have the temp pegs around him, he's going to look shit. But at the moment, he's looking hard, mate. He's got a progression option. He's got options around him who can play off him. He's got technical security around him so he can give it to the Luxus Zinchenko and get it back. He's got um, players around him who understand movement a lot better. So they can not only help him out, but also move maneuver to positions whereby Granite can pop it off to them or play it around them or play it through them or drop, drop back. You know, he had that sort of armchair that he had as his sort of left center back, um, you know, left-sided role that he dropped into when, when Tierney pushed forward, what, you know, year and a half, two years ago. And now that freedom that he has, you know, he was popping up on the left wing. There was one point where Martinelli popped into center forward with Jesus as a kind of two and Xhaka was our left winger. You know, this is, this is not the granite Xhaka that we, we know and hate it. Do you know what I mean? This is a granite Xhaka who, who with players around him, with a proper system in place, with an ability to, to move around the pitch, actually, yes, of course, he's always going to have his limitations, but he's looking absolutely unbelievable. And he's being put in positions whereby he can receive, retain and, and recycle the ball really well because he's not expected to do things in isolation. He's not expected to, to win the game for us. He's just expected to be part of it and arrive late and make the third mm-hmm. man runs, which he can do as well. And he's not been asked to do before. So I just think he, he's looked superb and he's, and he's been just as big a part of that left-hand side looking as good as it has as Martinelli and Zinchenko. I think he, I think he's, agree. who else would do player by player? Um, we need to, we need, I need to quash this Bukayo Saka somehow having a bad game. Bukayo Saka's game by numbers, one shot, two key passes, two dribbles, uh, fouled three times, three interceptions, one tackle, one clearance, 92% pass accuracy, three, uh, one accurate cross out of three, one accurate long ball out of one. Like, just what a game. Like, if this is Bukayo Saka at his worst, it's going to be scary when he gets back to hitting form for anyone else in this league. Because if we're operating this good with Bukayo Saka at his apparent worst, what's it going to be when he actually gets back to the levels of last season? Yeah, he... he top player. And I think if you're... Basically, I think if you're scouting Arsenal, you, I, think, I sort of think of it like almost like the... Mares Sterling thing where Mares is on the right and Sterling is on the left. We've got our sort of Mares in in Saka and we've got our our Sterling in Martinelli in terms of someone who's going to arrive in the box, be in the right position, run with the ball, uh, deliver cutbacks and get past defenders in Martinelli, and someone who can progress and carry and move up the right and receive well um, and 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 actually moves up the pitch in Saka and someone who can cut in and have a shot as well. Um, I think if you're Bournemouth you go, right, what do we do about Arsenal? And I think the first thing you do is you say you say you overload on Saka because if you give him the ball, you give him time time and space to run, you're fucked because he will he will punish you. So I think that's what you do. You you go you go two on Saka. But what that means is Martinelli's more free. 
Um, Jesus, you you can't man mark. You literally can't man mark him. There's no way you can you can do it because because he he do you see that comparison of his um his zones uh between him and Lacazette. Lacazette's looking like a penis and Jesus looking more like a sort of lovely souffle. Um, Jesus is Jesus is he's not a centre forward. He is a centre forward right he, he, no, he's, not even a, he's not even a center he's a forward that's he's, it he's just up the pitch <laughs> and who knows where he's going to be but what that means is when you when you overload on Saka you create space on the side and I don't think Martinelli's explosion comes without the attention that Saka's drawn and that will happen you know people will start to target Martinelli and then Saka have a bit more space you know and this is the thing the reason you know Brad you spoke about this quite a bit you know with Lacazette is that Defenders could basically go, or we don't need to b- worry about him because he's either going to stay on the last line and you know try and take jog, his, take him his behind, boots off, and you know have a bit of a stretch before running him behind, or he's going to be in the midfield, bounce off him, and then he's not going to run a crispy cream. He's not going to run around you, so there's no problem. So we can just you know isolate the two the two wingers, but now we've got three men and three problems, and you know you can't cover all of those. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think Saka, Saka was excellent. Um, one slightly more negative one, I would say, uh, in terms of the man by man, is the Ramsdale situation. Uh, I felt Ramsdale, I don't have any data on this, so this could be rubbish, but I felt Ramsdale was a little bit off the pace for the past few games. Um, he's looked a little bit, his distribution's been fine, and he's had a few nice moments, 100% like the Zinchenko moment against uh, Palace. But I don't think that should blind us to the fact that he hasn't, I don't think he's been as dominant on crosses. I don't think he's been as dominant in terms of um, uh, in the build-up being available. Um, yeah, one to watch. I just wonder whether he's having a kind of, not necessarily crisis of confidence, but you know, he, he's 23 and he came in and he had those, you know, th- that sort of run of games where he sort of, the fulcrum of which was the Leicester one where he saved that Madison, Madison free kick. After that, I just wonder. I wonder what's going on. I, I just, I, I'm not co- totally convinced at the moment. I think we are making mountains out of molehills. Um, I think he's been. It, we've only conceded two goals so far this season. Only one of which I think he can do better on. He's also pulled out some some great saves. You know, I think of the Fafana moment, uh, a couple against Palace. Um, and his pa- his passing has been okay. He, if you look at, um, somebody tweeted this out and did a, did a comparison on it. If you look at how young he is versus, you know, I think he's 24, but keepers bloom and have their best years later. So if you take that into consideration, it would be like having something like a, somebody said like a 19 or a 20 year old centre-back or a 19 or a 20 year old central midfielder. And we sometimes need to remember that like, this is, you know, this is only his second season with us. It's only, you know, the second season of top flight football where he hasn't been in a relegation scrap or been relegated. Um, and he's got a really important role for us. And I think what happens when everything goes so well is you start to look for the things that aren't going as well. And I think that whilst I, I do totally agree, I don't think his kicking's been with it for for this season yet. We're only three games in. He's still got to get some minutes in his legs, still got to get used to that. And it's not as bad as I think some people are making it out to be. I think because everything else looks so 10 out of 10 right now, we see the six out of 10 and we're going, oh, that's a problem. Where in reality, it's not that big a problem. It's just not as good as it could be. And I think for me, I have every faith that it will get back up there with with a run of games. And especially now we've got a stronger defense in front of us. Um, and we're not conceding as many chances. I uh, I have every faith that Ramsdale's kicking ability will get back to where it was. And sometimes, at, at the moment, what he's doing is he's either doing an absolute blinder, ten out of ten boot all the way, perfectly dropped onto Martinelli, or he's scuffing it a bit technically, and it's not coming off. 
And I do think that that screams of not match ready, almost. You know, he's not fully into the swing of things yet. Maybe. Yeah, I, I take your point about like, it could be just that there's not really many problems. So we're, we're starting to look for them as a kind of the, 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 the wheel spinning, but there's no hamster in it. Um, you know, we are so used to sort of putting out fires as, as fans, as, especially as Arsenal fans. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think his kicking is as good as it has been. I would say I think he's flapped at a number of things, but also it could be any number of things. And I could 100% be reading too much into it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, I'm not. I've, I've just not been convinced by him yet this season. We've also not had a game where I felt as though he's needed to be particularly on it. Um, you know, um, and it's not to say. And this is another thing, sort of like the Erdegaard thing, isn't it? It's like you know, the away away from home situation, and then he scores two, and then everyone go, oh, he's fine then. And, you know, Erdegaard, Erdegaard can perform away from home. It's like we can't just take one game. But you know, if he mm. if next game, you know, there was a number of shots on goal and he had an unbelievable save, you know, I'm sure people would start the narrative would start to change, and that's that's literally how football works. So um let's go to the break. We'll come back, we'll do some more game discussion and we'll have our views and news. We'll see you. After this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon. On patreon.com slash you get access to ad-free versions of our podcasts for just £3 a month. But the most important part is you're supporting the podcast YouTube and more for the price of less than a coffee a month. And helping us grow, it would really mean the world. Speaking of coffee, for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com slash where you can... Buy me a coffee! Coffee! The links are in the show description. Did you see Zinchenko's response to Saliba's goal? Oh, oh. Zinchenko told Arsenal.com, it looks like this guy's got a lot of experience in his bag, but he's still so young. Fingers crossed we've got an unbelievable centre-back. He's such a nice guy and he deserves this. A massive thanks to our fans as well. They did unbelievably well during all the games and they helped us a lot. And of course... William deserves that song. Um, Arteta about Saliba said, it very much surprised me, individual talent, a moment of quality. I don't know how you're going to call it, but I don't think anybody expected it and it was great. I'm so happy for the boy. He got a clean sheet as well, which is the most important thing for a defender. If you score a goal, it's a bonus, but they're doing what they need to do to keep that clean sheet every game. Um, yeah, I mean, Odegaard's two goals, good. He's getting in the box. I mean, we've, we've kind of had those discussions before, but the Saliba goal, um, <laughs> oh, it was one of those laughing ones. It really was. Um, and he's been taking like uh, Alexander Lacazette eat your heart out. Like, yeah, what a, fr- a French twenty-year-old centre back is scoring better goals than you. I've ne- I've never seen a player. I suppose because we've never had an, we've never had an like a sort of a, a situation like this, have we? We never we never had players who come in, signed for twenty seven million, and then we don't see him for three seasons, basically, do we? But no, you know, a player coming in with all this expectation, with all this sort of um, hype around him, I thought it could only really go one way. He's better than I thought he would be. He's honestly better. It's it's absolutely sensational. I mean, the guy, um, I'll try and find his game by numbers now, um, but he is just... He's naughty, mate. He's a, he's a naughty little baller. 100% pass accuracy, 100% shot accuracy, 100% long ball accuracy. 75 passes completed, 100% pass accuracy. 83 touches, one possession five times, two clearances, two tackles, two interceptions, two duels, one, one shot, one goal. He's just... Dominant and how old is he? 21. 20. He's 20. <laughs> he's no, he's 21. He's 21. We have he's got 21. to sign this guy up for a lifetime contract. I mean, it's in, and he is not coming out of our team, mate. He really is not. No, um, I've already said it. He's he's this is the lineup now. Ben White at right back because also Ben White is starting to really flourish out there. But he had our second most second most passes. Yeah, second most passes in the whole team. Hundred percent pass act. Madness. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, 
And I think, as you mentioned it, the the sort of Saliba White um, thing is is perfect because I, I don't know if you saw the documentary. Um, there was a bit, I think I might have mentioned it, where, where Arteta talks about White's aggression. Um, sorry, I talk, I talk about football so much so I never remember where I've said things. So apologies if I'm repeating myself. But the thing about basically the bit in episode one where Ben White is... Um, speaking to Arteta and Arteta talks about an aggression in his game he hasn't seen before. And I think basically beforehand, when I, when Ben White is being asked to arrive outside, arrive, cash me outside, in terms of on the exterior against a winger, he can be a bit aggressive because I don't think he has that sort of dominance behind him. I think he feels Gabriel's mm-hmm. a bit too far over, Cedric's in the North Bank, whatever he's doing. Um, and, you know, he's expected to arrive outside and stop it, which I think he, he can do because he reads the game really well, but he's always a little bit too aggressive. I think having Saliba behind him just calms him down and means he doesn't have to do that job. He can come inside, he can play his game, he can overlap, he can show his on-ball quality a bit more. I have no desire to see anything other than this setup unless we need to change it. I really don't. Because... no. You know, Tierney's not getting back in at left back. Tommy Asu's not getting back in at right back. This is the pattern. This is it. This is the eleven. There's nothing to change other than maybe rotating. You know, the mystery winger being the friends that we made along the way player in and out of the team. But other than that, like, what's the point? Yeah, we've yeah. we've won. This is the first time in eighteen years we've won our first three games of the season. Yeah, it's it's uh, having Saliba there just gives us those two dominant centre backs with pace who can shut down either lane on either side, um, and then White and Zinchenko mm-hmm. can can sit close to the midfielders, provide those patterns, provide that interplay, provide overs overs and unders, be the extra man in the midfield for the out ball, um, and it's just it's the perfect system because everyone's so suited to it. Um, and Saliba just gives us that that person at the back who is exactly what we needed. Someone with great recovery pace, someone who can play a high line, someone who people just don't want to go against. Um, you know, he 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 has been absolutely incredible. Um, we've had a question. I will say that the current contract situations of Saliba and Saka are worrying me a little. <laughs> yeah, but we're two years out, and the signs are good on both. I think we've heard all but confirmation that Saliba has is has or is is going to sign a new contract and the same with Saka. So I'm I'm not concerned and I think I imagine for my blood pressure I need them to announce <laughs> it. I imagine they have basically gone let's see how the beginning of the season goes because if Arsenal absolutely fuck it we might have to start thinking about me- moving next summer if not then yeah, we'll sign a four or five year deal, no problem. Because you know, I, I you know, if if we if we start the season, have an absolute shocker, and that brings us to another sixth or seventh place finished, someone like Asaka is going to have to move on. But if Saka gets a third this season, and you know, ups his numbers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, if Saliba stays in the team and and you know cements his place there, both of them have no reason to leave. But do you know what I mean? But there's there's still. I get variables you. I just that mean they that might always, have to go. We've always said, especially nowadays, you have to be getting people out at two years out. So if we're getting to the end of the window and those contracts haven't been signed, that's when I start to worry. I think the Saliba one's just basically waiting for Bellerin to fuck off and they can give him the number two shirt. Um, You know, we've seen and we've heard conf- pretty much confirmation from a couple of sources now that that's been... Or, you know, done. It's it's mainly the Saka one that I'm going. I'm not hearing enough about this that for me to feel 100 percent comfortable yet. Well, Saka, uh, Arteta spoke about it in a in a press conference and said they're all aligned. It's just now about getting it on paper. I I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I understand the feeling because they are two excellent young players. But the fact that we've taken the um the club off Saka's back a bit um, means I'm okay about it. I think I don't want Saka to leave, but this is the thing. You never want to be in a desperate situation. You never want to be in a a situation, a Van Persie situation where a player has got your balls and a vice. If Saka left, that's a massive, 
um, loss and we would miss him a lot. But do I trust the club to go out and get the exact profile that they want because they know exactly what they want to do with their right winger? Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, and, and I, I hope we get a good price for him, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, there's not, there's, yeah, I, 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 I feel like it's going to happen. We've got a question in from at okay. uh, Kenny G007. So far this season, Arsenal's victories have been built on a fast start and early goals. This cannot happen in every match. How does this Arsenal team cope when they can't or opposing teams stop them from getting early goals? I think it, I think it's a question I mean, we we haven't answered yet in terms of coming from behind. We haven't seen this team in a number of game states yet in terms of chasing uh chasing goals, trying to get late winners, um nil nil at 70 minutes, what do we do? Yep. Uh I I don't know. I think that that's something that they'll have a plan for, but one thing that I will say is that what these early goals have allowed us to do is in the second half from about 60 minutes on, you know, play without play in second gear. We don't have to go hell for leather trying to get four, five, six, because we've already pretty much sewn the game up with a lovely little ribbon. And we don't want to get into a situation where we're fatiguing ourselves for no reason. I think that's why we're seeing early goals rather than late goals at the moment, because we're having real joy against the teams we're coming up against. I am 100% sure, though, that if, for example, the two goals in 10 minutes that Erdegaard scores don't happen, we see more of an intent to go out and to attack in the second half against Bournemouth and score in the 50th, the 60th, the 70th. But if you're already 3-0 up by 60 minutes, you aren't going to ruin your players' legs for the next few games to try and get a fourth. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I, the, the the patterns are there. You know, the the, the way we play, the, the way we want to play, and the the, prin- the principles by which we want to play are there. And therefore, the way we set up in terms of the personnel on the pitch, I think will determine the what we're trying in terms of the game state. I think because of the five subs, we can start to be a bit more like, right, when we're in control, when we're, you know, a couple couple nil up, let's keep Zinchenko on the pitch because why not? He, he, he holds onto the ball for, for us. Uh, when we're chasing a game, okay, let's stick Smith Rowe in the left eight instead of Xhaka because he can get forward a bit, you know, a bit more of a goal threat, et cetera, et cetera, if we're, if we're trying to, you know. So I think the five subs thing will really help us. And I think that's why having these options that we've spoken about before in terms of, you know, having a T&E, for example, if we're, if we're winning 2-1 against a City, I bring Tierney on and try and shore things up defensively because Zinchenko, you know, uh, can be caught um, just because of his position. Though he did have the most the most defensive actions in the whole game yesterday. I don't think he's a bad defender. I'm not saying that at all. Crazy it's, amount. It's just that he sits further up. So, you know, it's, it's you know he's one up uh, and he he likes the uh, the control of the ball. And I think if, we're, if we don't have it, you want Tierney's off-ball um, abilities. Um... There's so much to say on the game. There's so much to say on the game. So we won't, we won't have time to do it. We'll have to get some news. Um, Pepe potentially out on his way to OGC Nice. Uh, Arteta then asked about the winger or potential incomings. Uh, and he says, well, the Athletics say that the priority is a wide player. Um, we kind of know that. Arteta keeps saying consistently which is interesting mm. to me because you know he's he, he's not someone who gives things away for free um he says we want to do some more stuff and we can do it he said in, a, in the post match yesterday that we he can do it um i think the winger will happen and i think pepe was basically needing to go before we did anything so i think this is good news and he wasn't in the, in the squad yesterday so i have a feeling that we'll see some movement over the next few days i don't know anything but yeah, I agree. I think it's it's I don't think we'll see any midfielders. We may see another left-sided center back who can float around and maybe cover left back, maybe cover here and there and everywhere, but I don't think that we'll see anything really but a winger because there's so many players in this squad right now and a, a winger is vital. We need to be rotating Saka, we need to be rotating Martinelli and and a, a high quality option to do that is 
imperative. And it's it's good that hopefully Pepe's going to a club that he knows that's going to play a style of football that he gets on with and he'll hopefully do really well and then we can sell him in a year. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I hope it um I hope it benefits all parties. Ultimately, I've said many, many times, I don't think Pepe is suitable for our team, our league, our system. Um and that's it. You know, it, it, it doesn't have to be more complicated and more sort of, you know, oh God, I'm some huge sort of post-mortem of why Pepe didn't. Mm. He, he, he doesn't, he's not suitable for a positional play, quick interchanging, uh, tight spaces team. That's just not what he is. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine. It's just exa- an exact example of the issues that we are solving with the idea of starting, as I said at the very beginning of the podcast, how do we want to play and then letting everything else be informed by that. And Pepe's just yeah. one of the old regime's things. And there's no great drama. I, I really don't see that at all. Um, interesting comments from Arteta this week uh, on the Cronkies. Uh, he's always been quite, you know, employer praises employee. I appreciate that. But, you know, again, I don't think Arteta is the type of guy who says things publicly for no reason or just because he feels like he has to or wants to. Uh, sorry, because he has to. I think he, he wants to. Uh, he said, I think the commitment and desire of this ownership is without a question or doubt as good as I've seen in football. And he said that before about the Cronkies. There is a clear alignment that we're seeing. There's a clear alignment that we're seeing on the pitch, off the pitch. And the signs are constantly coming out that we're seeing that this club are are heading in the right direction in every asset in every every sense and i think that's that's so exciting just to take us to that next level what do you feel we need what is that time mm-hmm. you, you know we we spoke about 10 minutes ago this squad is so young if everybody progresses and and currently the only way is up if everybody progresses in the way that that um that they are currently doing all we need is time and a winger option to rotate in and out with Saka and Martinelli that's it we are already looking brilliant we have so much depth in quality in the back line in the midfield other than at six really um you know I think all we need is time all we need is a little bit of time, some more growth, some more progression, oh, and a forward who. No, we definitely need a forward. We definitely do, uh, because it will get to a point where Saka starts to slow down and gets injured a lot if we if we don't start rotating him in and out. And the same with Martinelli. We need to get him some more rotations, but. Um, I'm really confident in just thinking that like a year, two years and maybe one or two more players, we should be up there. We really should, especially with the trajectory of other clubs. Yeah, I think time is the is certainly the the biggest ingredient. Um I think personnel wise, I yeah, as I say, I I'm I still think we're missing from from this window for this stage of our, and again, you don't, this is the thing. It's like players go, well, sorry, players, fans go, well, why don't we get them all in now? It's like, well, if we added in a 29 year old end of project type player, Tiago now, that player peaks before we're, we're where we need to be. So it's about getting the right age profile in now about where they need to be in a couple of years, you know, what, mm. what age they're going to be peaking. So I think the 24, 25 year old, um, area where we've been focusing on is exactly right because I think it's going to take probably another season or probably another two maybe three seasons before we can say we are consistently in that title challenger if everything goes to plan if if everything goes as planned yeah it's another two seasons I think before we can say right we are beginning of the season we're in the title conversation 100% so then we need to be addressing that in the market and I think in this window, I'd like to see us sign a, another winger. Just numbers-wise, as you say, um, because of Sacra and Martin, I'd love to see us pro- sign a proper wide player who can play both sides. Um, 
and I think I think I think even Arteta said we're short in that um, in that area. So it's that and time, and then moving forward. Um, I mean, it all depends. I think probably Xhaka will have to start to. We have to look at a different way of doing that. Um, I wonder whether we're going to look at different options, how exactly we're going to form the squad in terms of whether it will be as Inchenko analogue, whether there'll be positions like Partey where we need just people who can do the same thing and then different options on the exterior. I mean, that'll be interesting to me. Um, whether we'll have different ty- you know, different types of um, forwards, but very similar spines, if that makes sense. You know, a, a, a number nine who can drop and link play Centre backs who can play a high line and push out, and then on the exterior you can you can mix and match and see see uh, for different game states and stuff. The club are in such a good place, and it's credit to them because you know we're top of the league after three games played. This hasn't happened, as you said earlier, for eighteen years, and it all started with that simple message of how do we want to play, and that's being and that's that's what's happening on the pitch. That's all it is. That's it's, it, honestly, you know, Arteta said it in his post match. He said something along the lines of, "When you're winning in football, everything's fine," and that's exactly what it is. Because ultimately, it's you know, it's it's why it's why it, it amazes me someone like Graham Potter hasn't gone to a big club yet, because it doesn't matter what your kit is, who you're signing in the market, who you uh, your academy next big academy player is, who what your stadium is. If you aren't winning, and how do you win? You win by playing football better than the other opposition. And how do you do that? You have to coach it. You know, so so you have to get the best coach you possibly can, and that's what I think Arsenal have done. Who happens to be an extraordinary manager as well, I think, um, and still the youngest manager in the league with the youngest team in the league. I mean, it is it is incredible the work he's doing, um, and and I, I can't praise it highly enough. Um, and we're winning the league this season. We're going to, you know, win the Europa League this season, the FA Cup, everything. It's coming home. It's coming to the M's. Everything's coming home. Um, there's so much more we could have said on the game. Um, the disallowed goal from Jesus uh, just felt very sort of, you have to want to give that right. Smith rose an eight, I thought was interesting. Uh, I thought he looks bigger as well. I love that we clapped the away fans at the end. Um it felt a bit sort of Man City-esque at times that game. I, I felt felt a little bit like we'd, we'd gone two up and then just gone, well, uh, what do we do now? <laughs> it was a bit sort of, um, yeah, it was... Uh, have a kickabout? Yeah, it was a bit sort of, I don't know. It, it almost felt like we could just end the game um, um, there. Uh, but yeah, look, um, there's so much to say. There's so much to say. And we, we could do 15 podcasts on how well Arsenal playing at the moment but we've we've done an hour so um, we'll have to end there but bye bye Bournemouth see you in a couple of seasons <laughs> see you with United um, yeah just quickly though I don't think I've ever felt this positive about Arsenal's future no me neither than in, the, than in this moment because we're running like a properly modern club With one, to me, one vision. You should be ashamed of yourself, Gazidis. But this is what I mean. Is you know, unless and this is the problem. I, mean, I don't want to go into United thing, but unless you back one person and say this is how we're going to play, this is how we're going to operate, and go in one direction and see what happens, you will get nowhere. And we've done that behind the right I, person. Yes, but the problem is, is also that person has to be pragmatic. Eric Ten Hag has ruined Manchester United's transfer window by refusing to move on from Frankie de Jong, who's, it's been obvious he hasn't want to come for, for months. They've had a fee agreed with Barcelona for like six weeks. He doesn't want to come, but they haven't moved on and it's fucked the whole start of their season. So it is about an aligned vision behind the right coach who's happy to fall on his own sword at times and do things that are, are right for the club moving forward. You know, there's talk of Anthony for 100 million euros and then have spent 165 million euros on Anthony and and Frodo Baggins. It's incredible. It's incredible. I feel feel very, very, very lucky. When I saw that Anthony news, I just went, (laughs) 
thank God for Mikel Arteta, man. You know, someone who knows how this game works and knows how it operates and and operates smartly and gets exactly what we need because he knows exactly what he wants. You know, and and again, it may well be that Arteta Arteta's doesn't quite do it, but the point is the club is in a better position for it because we we're mm-hmm. we're signing smartly, we're signing according to a plan, we're sticking to a plan, and it's aligned under something and it appears to be working. So, um, Brad, we've just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time I asked you, the theme was opening day matches and I asked you what was the score on the opening day of the 17-18 season where Arsenal played Leicester. Was it 4-2 to Arsenal? It was 4-3 to Arsenal. 4-3, that's it. 4-3 to Arsenal. Your question for this week is about Brazilian goal scorers for Arsenal. Denilson signed in 2006. Denilson signed in 2006-07 season. In what season did he score his first league goal for Arsenal? Denilson signed in 2006-07. In what season did he score his first league goal for Arsenal? And a theme, please, Bramley Scrapples. I forgot he'd existed. Um, the theme for next week is going to be uh, on that fateful season 18 years ago. I would like you to pick one of the three games that we won in a row and cater a question around that. Three games we won in a row. Question. Okay. Lovely stuff. Uh, would be remiss to not dedicate this podcast as the win was dedicated to uh, Steve Braddock who has passed away after a long illness, Arsenal's head groundsman. Steve was ultimately responsible for the pitches at London Colney and Highbury and the Emirates since 1987, which is incredible. Um, and obviously his work gave the Emirates the nickname it has, the carpet. Um, rest in peace. Uh, what an incredible servant to the club. Um, and I hope wherever you are, you saw that game. And, you know, it's great that uh, Arsenal are playing so well in his honour. So, um, yeah, credit to him and rest in peace and thoughts to his family. Right, Brad. Right, mate. We must stop speaking about how good Arsenal are. Mate, there's so much more we could have said. I had like so much, so much. Yeah. But alas. Tim Reams. Tim Reams. Alas, we live another day. Um, That's it. Any, 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 Any other business? I'll see you at game week 38 when we're invincible again, my friend. Yeah, when do we start talking about a title race? I think game week uh, ten. If we're still first or second, we can. If we're st- if we're still unbeaten, maybe we can if begin we, to. Maybe if we're still up there by game week twenty, that's when the serious conversation starts. Okay. Now nah, maybe we're gonna win the league. Uh, thanks as well for listening. Keep it different, knock, and we will see you later. Later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support The Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.